You are wrong about guitars podcast. You're, you're just wrong. You're wrong, man. You're, you're wrong. You're about just guitars. wrong about guitars, dude. You're just you're wrong about guitars. You know nothing. Wrong. Wrong. Welcome to You're Wrong About Guitars podcast. I'm Eric Olvin, your host. Dyer Davis is out there being a rock star again this week, so it's just you and me diving in again on a topic. And um, this week, I kind of wanted to keep the uh, Super Strat thing going because as I kind of ended it there, I really got the, uh, you know, the idea and in, in, in that kind of mindset that, you know, Eddie Van Halen really, really changed how we thought about guitars and what we think about a guitar as in, you know, not just accepting what we get from, um, what we get from the manufacturer and looking at the instrument as like, oh, well, that's a good start. I like the scale length here. I like the way that the neck is. I like the body, the body shape, the body style, whatever it is. But, you know, I want to throw this pickup in there. I want to throw that pickup in there. I want to put these strings on. I want to change this bridge, you know, and, and modding it and making it our own. So I wanted to dig into Eddie Van Halen this week. So Let's kind of get through it. Um, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on his beginning history, but, you know, and try to get to the actual guitar and the guitar history and um, uh, where that came from. But just as a little background, um, born January 26th, 1955, and uh, passed away October 6th, 2020. Um, Obviously, co-founded Van Halen, the rock band. Um, with his brother Alex Van Halen in 1972, um, and widely regarded as one of the greatest guitar players in rock history. Um, I'm I'm sure that there's a very big majority of people that that believe that, and um, you know, um, popularizing tapping and um, rapid arpeggios, um, playing with you know two hands on the fretboard like that. It's a very um, something that he uh, made very, very popular. Um, let's see here. Mm-hmm. So, 1972, um, Eddie and his brother Alex formed the band Mammoth, with, and two years later, David Lee Roth joined, um, playing in uh, in and around Los Angeles, getting into that music scene. Um, in 1976, they opened for UFO and um, Kiss bassist Gene Simmons saw the performance and said, I was waiting backstage by the third song. So he's highly impressed, right? Um, let's see here. It wasn't long. Um, it looks like the next year Warner Records offered Van Halen a recording contract. Um, let's see. Um, oh, wow. Rumored that Eddie nearly replaced guitarist Ace Frehley in Kiss in um, 1982. That would have been interesting, huh? Um, You know, obviously several um, guitar works uh, or musical works in what he was getting into, but let's dig into the guitars, right? His gear. So... His first guitar, purchased as a child from Sears and Roebuck, was a Tiesco Del Rey. Um, played the guitar in an elementary school band, The Broken Combs. <laughs> Isn't that an awesome name for a band, The Broken Combs? Probably because their hair was so thick and crazy, couldn't get anything through it. 
All right. Um, he's a, quite a tinkerer, as you've probably heard before. Uh, played many custom-built and heavily modified guitars. Um, he purchased a Gibson Les Paul, and he replaced the original P90 um, in the bridge with a humbucker in order to sound like Eric Clapton. Uh, he later bought and briefly used a Gibson ES-335, also because um, it's associated with Clapton, a big guitar hero of his. Um, and then he you know, took that apart and completely cannibalized it for parts. Um, he also owned an Ibanez Destroyer, um, exclusive or extensively used on the debut Van Halen album. Um, originally used in its natural wood finish, he later painted it white and made several modifications to the electronics. After recording the album, he used a chainsaw to drastically modify the body shape, cutting a deep V into the bottom of the guitar and painting it um, in a similar way to his later and more famous Frankenstrat. Uh, I'd love to see that guitar. Um, that would have been really cool, too. The uh, inset into the V, he hand-carved teeth and set two eye hooks and chains. Um, the new distinctive shape led it to be nicknamed the Shark. Uh, he only played it for a short time in that state, however, uh, as the modification changed the tone of the guitar in an unsatisfactory way. He did not like uh, what was going on with that one, so, but he did retain the guitar for the rest of his life, remaining in his collection until his death. The final state of the shark can be seen on the cover of Women and Children First. There we go. Uh, where he posed with the guitar. But, obviously, he is most associated with the Frankenstrat, custom guitar he built from parts. Uh, maple neck cost $80, while the ash body is bought for $50 as the wood had a knot in it. Um, the trem tremolo arm was originally taken from a 58 Fender Strat, later replaced with a Floyd Rose arm. Frequently replaced the neck on the guitar going through a number of different tones through the years, and the pickup configuration was also frequently changed. In its most commonly used configuration, the guitar had a single functional pickup. Uh, Gibson, Gibson PAF, uh, which if you aren't familiar, PAF stands for Patent Applied For, um, in the bridge uh, pickup from his ES-335 that we mentioned earlier. Um, which he enclosed in, uh, with paraffin wax to prevent feedback. Um, the middle pickup was removed, and in its place, he had stuffed a non-functional selector switch and random wires, while the neck pickup slot was replaced with a red single-coil pickup um, that was also non-functional, so just for looks. <laughs> the original selector switches and uh, tone knobs were removed, and the volume knob was replaced with a knob labeled Tone. The Frankenstrat, as, known, um, as shown on the cover of Van Halen, was originally painted black, but was uh, recoated with uh, Schwinn red bicycle paint in 1979. Before and during the recording of Van Halen 2, he built a second parts caster guitar painted in a distinctive black and yellow striped paint job. Uh, I have a picture of that one up here in the shop. Um, and that earned the name the Bumblebee guitar. The guitar was then later donated to Rita Haney, the longtime partner of Dimebag Daryl Abbott, shortly after his death. Um, and it was placed in his casket and buried along with him, which is a really, really cool idea that, uh, you know, they had a relationship like that. Um, and, uh, you know, Dimebag was 
you know, a huge guitar idol for me listening to Pantera really definitely got me into not only heavier music, but, um, you know, inspired me to playing the guitar as well. Um, EVH used a mini Les Paul guitar for little guitars or diver on Diver Down. Um, this is the only Van Halen recording that the guitar was used for. Uh, the mini Les Paul was made by Nashville luthier David Petchlet and was pitched and sold to him during a tour stop in Nashville. Uh, he later purchased a second mini LP, um, built uh, to slightly different specs, though, the first being a Honey Sunburst with mini humbuckers, and the second being Dark Wine Red with a thicker body and full-size humbuckers. In 82, Van Halen made his first guitar endorsement by launching the 5150 Beretta uh, with Kramer. The partnership lasted a decade. In the mid-80s, he purchased a Steinberger GL2T guitar. Distinctive switch-operated vibrato system can be heard on the 5150 album. From 91 to 95, Van Halen worked with Ernie Ball Music Man developing the now, you know, as we know, the Music Man EVH model guitar, uh, which was later renamed the Axis after the partnership ended. In 96, Van Halen teamed up with PV, where they developed the PVEH EVH Wolfgang. The relationship lasted in 2004 when Van Halen joined forces with Fender, initially releasing the um, art series guitars under Fender's Charvel brand and later developing the EVH brand, which I'm not surprised, like, I'm kind of surprised that Fender didn't just do that right away, but um, that goes to show you Fender for you. In 2006, Fender created the Frank II, a near-perfect production replica of the original Frankenstrat. Van Halen later claimed that when presented the two guitars in a blind comparison, he had some trouble picking out the original homemade guitar from Fender's production replica. That's insane. I mean, if that's true, I guess good on, you know, wh whatever luthier Fender had build that guitar. But I just can't, like... That's crazy that EVH playing that Frankenstrat so much that he, you know, had a hard time. Um, for Van Halen's 2012 tour and early 2015 television appearances, he used a Wolfgang USA guitar with a black finish and ebony fretboard. For the 2015 tour, he used a white Wolfgang USA guitar designed by Chip Ellis, featuring a custom kill switch. So there you go. That's kind of the evolution of the guitars and um, the axes right that um that evh used and produced and just to be honest like the evh guitars that i see on my bench are some of the highest quality that i see today um i think you know if it were me i'd probably go back and and try to get whatever um oh uh, let's what was it um the ones that he was producing with pv um but like it is something different even the fender ones that i see now like it's just different build quality and i don't know what it is but like i i will i'd take an evh over a usa fender strat any day um they're just built differently they feel differently um they usually need very very little work as far as the setup goes so if you're looking for something really versatile or want something with a trim um, and also with the detuna on there is, uh, is a great, great feature, um, that's usually featured on those guitars. I highly recommend them. Um, you know, let's mod them, make them the way that you want to, but they play very, very well. Um, I'm always, um, highly, 
highly uh, impressed by the quality of those guitars. All right, let's keep going. Um, we have a little information about the rest of his gear, so let's just dig in, right? Van Halen's first string endorsement deal happened around 89 when Ernie Ball launched the 5150 EVH line. Um, he the typical gauge for him at the time was uh, nines. So 9, 11, 16, 24, 32, 42. Um, the EVH Ernie Ball strings measured 9, 11, 15, 24, 32, and 40. So very, very light. Um, I'm sure he enjoyed bending those all the way up and down and across the fretboard. Uh, after that endorsement deal ended, um, became a part of the Fender EVH line now and they're now sold as EVH premium strings. If you see those and you want to check those out. I don't see them very often in my shop. Not many people get them, um, but, uh, you know, probably worth a shot. <clears throat> um, all right, pickup selection. Van Halen used a variety of pickups, including 1970s Mighty Mites, which were uh, made by Seymour Duncan and were copies of DiMarzio Super Distortions. He also used Gibson PAFs, one of which was renowned by Seymour Duncan, uh, rewound by Seymour Duncan in 1978. In an interview with Guitar World in 1985, Van Halen stated that his guitar sound style, which he called brown sound, is basically a tone, a feeling that I'm always working at. It comes from the person. If the person doesn't even know what that type of tone I'm talking about is, they can't really work towards it, can they? Um, that's something that I think about all the time. And, you know, when I ask, you know, my customers information about, cause they ask me like to recommend them pickups all the time. Um, you know, I, I ask questions that kind of gauge like, well, what, you know, what's the feeling that you're going for? What kind of tone, what kind of songs you play, what kind of artist do you, are you trying to emulate, um, to try to get into that feeling. And, you know, I'm, I'm only one guy, so it's it's hard to get through and dig through, you know, a, a ton of pickup tones. But it's just something that I think every guitarist, if you want to work towards something like that, you just have to spend the time on the computer or in the guitar shops and listening to pickup tones, to pick up samples online, um, and just really dig in and go down that rabbit hole. And um, you know, by the time you're done, you you'll be like, holy crap, where did a few hours go of just listening to pick up tones? But um, I think it's really important um, to to hear the differences and and to understand um, that tone that that's you and what you're looking for. Um, in an interview with Billboard magazine in June 2015, he stated that the expression brown sound he actually tried to describe the sound of his brother Alex's snare drum, which he thought. Sounds like he's beating on a log. It's very organic. So it wasn't my brown. It wasn't my brown sound. It was Alex's. That's interesting. Okay. Uh, keyboards. Uh, first recorded keyboard work by Van Halen is And the Cradle Will Rock, written and performed on Wurlitzer electric piano through a Marshall amp. The riff for Dancing in the Street on Diver Down was written and performed by, or written and performed on a mini Moog. Jump and I'll Wait were written and performed on an Oberheim OBXA, Wild Dreams, Why Can't This Be Love, and Love Walks In are with Oberheim OB8. Eddie also wrote When It's Love and Right Now on keyboards. During the 5150 and OU812 tours, um, Eddie Van Halen would play keyboard parts live while Hagar played the guitar. From the four unlawful 
uh, carnal knowledge tool <laughs> to her. Van Halen played guitar throughout the concerts, uh, while the keyboards were played backstage by touring keyboardist Alan Fitzgerald up through 2004. Um, and I guess they intentionally kept that uh, low key in the press. Uh, amplifiers. In 1993, Van Halen collaborated with PV Electronics to develop a series of amplifiers and cabinets collectively called the 5150 series, which ended in 2004. Van Halen then began work with Fender, developing the EVH products and brand. Um, EVH brand. In 2007, the first EVH branded amplifiers were produced by Fender, followed shortly after by a limited edition Frankenstrat inspired guitar. In 2009, they continued to press forward on the guitar front by releasing the Wolfgang-inspired EVH guitar line. The brand has since expanded to include additional guitars and accessories. And then he does have some patents. Van Halen was awarded three patents relating to guitars. A folding prop to support a guitar in a flat position, a tension-adjusting tailpiece, and an ornamental design for a headstock. That's interesting. Let's check out um tailpiece nope i mean i'm guessing that it, the that tension adjusting tailpiece is the detuna um not really sure about the ornamental design for a headstock and i have to maybe look into that a little later but um let's see if there's anything else here i know that the uh, hot for teacher guitar um, which we, I think, put in the news on an earlier episode that sold for $4 million. It's crazy. Uh, oh, that was last episode, wasn't it? So, obviously, uh, it's just insane here. And um, let's see here. Let's look him up in the news because I know we also reported that they were... Um, interested in working on and collaborating to bring um, to fruition a lot of other gear and um, accessories that EVH had um, stored up before he passed away. So um, hopefully we'll be seeing some of that um, as time comes on. Let's see. Here we are. So the late Eddie Van Halen left behind a ton of stuff that could be posthumously released. So it looks like um, they could release from Eddie Van Halen's 5150 Music Archive. So obviously he's got music left over. Um, let's see here. Uh, well, they're going to start with a bunch of reissue stuff with the Sammy Hagar years, um, with all his albums. Uh, the first one that will come out will be Right Here, Right Now, live album that they did in 1992. And then digging back into stuff, there's a lot more stuff at Ed's 5150 studio. Wolfie or Alex will start going through stuff, and we'll see what there is. There's a ton of stuff. <laughs> That's the quote. So um, I guess we'll see. Got special shows lined up, tributes maybe. Um, it's interesting because... Uh, Sammy's not much <laughs> involved in it, I guess. Um, but I'm hoping to see a lot, a lot of cool stuff from this. Um, uh, he was obviously a very, um, 
um, inventive person, not just musically, but from a tech side. And like I said, there's a lot of a lot of cool stuff that he did for the guitar world in that, like kind of opening up everybody's eyes to modding your guitars. Um, and I guess I'll, you know, I've heard stories about, um, you know, his character and who, who he was, um, you know, from, from guys I've worked with who've met him or, you know, uh, one guy in Nashville that I, I worked with said that, you know, when they were first coming up through like the late seventies or early eighties, they came through Nashville and, uh, you just met him at a diner. They were sitting there, you know, um, and he went up to him and said, Hey, and Eddie was just totally not in a good mood. <laughs> so hopefully it was just that one time, but, uh, they were acting like rock stars. And, uh, from what my, my friend said, uh, uh, they weren't that big yet to, to, um, act like that on a regular basis from what he thought, but, you know, still cool kind of, um, experienced nonetheless and then um i i also tell this story it's like it kind of pissed me off for a while it, van halen was one of my favorite favorite bands for a long time until um you know working at the shop in nashville i was working in the paint department and we had one of the pv or no um the fender uh evh models come through and uh you know, I wanted to do uh, my take on a Frankenstrat paint job, you know, with the different uh, taping taping and layers and different colors and um, on his, you know, his new style. I wanted to do something different. So I was, you know, kind of keeping it secret. I wanted to surprise everybody because this guitar had been sitting around for a while. It needed a lot of body work. So it was just kind of a project thing that I was taking on by myself, um, you know, coming in early, working through lunch, staying late kind of thing. Um, cause I thought it'd be really cool. And, um, I was almost done. I think I had one or two more coats of color, be like different layers. And then I was going to clear coat it and we were going to be all set. And, um, my manager comes by and he, he looks and he, he just, it's like, you're going to have to, all he says is, um, you got to stop working on that. And I, I'm like, what, why, why do I have to stop? And he said, well, about five years ago they were doing, similar like the actual frankenstrat kind of paint jobs and they got a cease and desist letter from eddie van halen's lawyer saying that uh that was also trademarked and they couldn't do it for resale so we can do it for custom but we can't do it for resales um so that's fun i guess uh, it just really pissed me off because it was like one i'm doing it on your guitar i'm doing it as a tribute to like I'm not trying to like I'm not trying to do anything malicious, you know. And three, you know, this tape and layering paint job is one of the most childish kindergarten <laughs> paint, you know, processes in the world. Like you just throw pa you throw tape on there, you you know, spray it with paint, and you pull the tape off. Like it's super easy, it's super simple. It, there's really no skill involved other than your you know basic paint technique. So it pissed me off for a long time until you know I, I think I started to come around to Van Halen again in the last year or two. Um, just because it's starting to really realize uh, how bit how much he helped the guitar community um, grow and innovate. And you know if it wasn't for him that. It, a lot of what I enjoy working on and doing with my business and as a hobby, um, you know, might not be there, uh, that, that love and that inspiration for that. But 
anyway, I think that'll wrap it up. That's all the time I got for this one. Definitely a little longer one, but um, I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. Um, check out the private Facebook group. Um, there's not a whole lot going on YouTube right now, um, but you know, like, subscribe, share, anything that you guys can do to help out the channel, help it grow. Thank you guys so much for listening and watching. I'll see you next week. Later.